Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Listening to Passions and Prologues, a literary podcast where each week I'll interview an author about a thing they love and how it inspires their work. I'm your host, Adam Sokol, and today's guest is Kristen Lush, author of the new novel, The Last Russian Doll. It is a dual timeline story that is set mostly in Russia in the early 1900s and then close to present day. And it follows two strings of a story that ultimately weave together in very, very unexpected ways. It's the story of the Russian Revolution, of a woman trying to figure out her place in the world and her place in her family and the mysteries that her mother has left her with these keys inside of a Russian doll that she discovers after her mother's untimely death. Uh, there's a little bit of what feels like a ghost story attached to it, but ultimately it is a story of emotion and heartbreak and all sorts of things that I really loved. I'm a fan of Russian literature, so obviously I was drawn to this. Uh, and my discussion with Kristen only made me want to read the book more, which it did not disappoint when I was able to do it. Our conversation today is all about Kristen's found love of flash fiction and experimental fiction. If you're unfamiliar, we obviously get into it a lot in the discussion, but it's basically these small types of stories that you can write, you know, in a few sentences and a few hundred words. Uh, There are all sorts of flash fiction locations you can find on the internet. And it's something that Kristen discovered during the pandemic. Um, I often find myself thinking, when authors are in between novels, what do they do to keep themselves sharp? And well, flash fiction is one of those things. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. Uh, It's really interesting. And also if you are a writer or someone who is looking for an outlet or just something to do to feel a little bit creative, flash fiction is a perfect way to dip your toe in without feeling like you have to figure out a way to write a 100,000 word novel or anything of that sort. Before we get into this discussion, I want to give you a quick book recommendation. I am just about finished with The Book of Form and Emptiness by Ruth Ozeki. It is a long story about a boy who is suffering through some mental illness after the untimely death of his father. A lot of untimely deaths in this introduction. Uh, His name is Benny O., and he hears voices that belong to the things in his house, whether it's a sneaker or a broken Christmas ornament or a piece of food. Uh, He hears voices all around him and he's not really sure how to deal with it. Along the way, we learn that his mother is also going through some mental illness of her own and Benny meets a cast of very interesting characters that sort of guide him along the way on his early teenage journey as he 
tries to find himself while also dealing with um, these mental health issues. So I I really am enjoying the story. It is um, sometimes hard to read, but it is very um, relatable for someone as myself who struggled with mental health uh, aspects in my own life. So I really think you'll enjoy it, especially if you are a fan of books about books, of discussing mental health or of kind of broken and then found family stories as well. So that's the book of Form and Emptiness by Ruth Ozeki. If you'd like some additional book recommendations from me, you can always email me at passionsandprologues at gmail.com. I'd love it if you left me a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Spotify or Apple or iHeart. It does help people find me just a little bit more easily. So really appreciate that. And if you send me an email with the things you are passionate about, I'm giving away a bookshop.org gift card once a month randomly to any listeners who do that. I'll pick one. I just love reading the things that you guys are passionate about. I've heard cereal and going for walks and people telling me about their passions that are similar to past guests. So anything it is, just like hearing from you guys. Okay. That is everything. I'm going to let you get to this episode of Passions and Prologues podcast with Kristen Losch, author of The Last Russian Doll. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast that's a hard no about saying no and setting boundaries so you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs saying no isn't just okay it's the key to living an authentic fulfilling life i'm a licensed professional clinical counselor so while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy i suppose i know what i'm talking about i'd say so We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Okay, Kristen, what is something you are super passionate about that we're going to be discussing today? So we are going to be talking about my interest in writing flash fiction and experimental fiction. Ooh, I love this. Okay, so first things first, when did you discover you have this interest? That is a great place to start. (laughs) Um, I... I, it really began for me uh, during the pandemic, during the lockdown. Um, and while my novel was away from me, so it was with my agent and I suddenly had this kind of creative void mm. and didn't know how to fill it and had only just started kind of using social media, looking at the writing community. And I stumbled across the flash fiction writing community, particularly in the UK, where it's a really, really big deal. Mm -hmm. And I saw, well, people are publishing, writing stories and publishing stories that are just gut-wrenching and they're only like 100, 200, you know, a page long. And I was, I was really bowled over by that and thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a try. And I became quickly very obsessed. Yeah. So for, for people who might not be familiar, can you kind of describe 
what like flash fiction is because like you said I really do that's that's sort of when I became really familiar with the two is during the pandemic when we were all just like yeah endlessly yeah doom scrolling. Right? so um <laughs> can you kind of sort of describe for people what like what the definition of of flash fiction is so they have an idea of what we're kind of diving into here Sure. So there's no specific kind of agreed upon definition. But if you think of a novel as kind of, you know, between 80,000 words, maybe 100K, and then a novella kind of maybe between 20,000 to 50,000 words, and then a short story I would put between 3,000 and 10,000. And then for flash, I would go between 1,000 and 3,000 words. And anything under 1,000 would then be called microfiction. Mm-hmm. It would still count as flash fiction, but it would be a different category. But I know people would disagree with me on that. So to those people, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I, you're right. I, it is so fascinating because with every type of like book length, as a writer, you have to think about you know, what you can do with that story structure. So like, like for a novel, you can be very, like you can sort of let the the book unfurl and you can unpack the world and all these different things. Uh, you know, novellas, obviously things happen much, much quicker. Um, I always think of, there is this, actually speaking of the pandemic, for short stories, there is this um, like event that Neil Gaiman and Marlon James were talking about short story writing. And so I was okay. like, yeah, sign me up, whatever. I don't know how, how much money I paid to watch that. But they basically talked about for short stories, it's like, if you imagine a book has 40 chapters, the short story is like chapters 38 through 40. And you just kind of have to trust, like you don't have time to talk about those other chat. You just sort of build it into this existing world more or less. But for flash fiction, like how do you approach it? Like, what do you think makes a good flash fiction story? That is a great question. And I think there's there's a lot of, you know, flash is so variable. There's so many different styles. There's so many different ways you can do it. You can write a very kind of traditional story that just happens to be very, very short. Mm-hmm. Or you can really push the envelope in terms of format and form, which is really my preference. So I've written quite a few um, flash fiction stories by now, also microfiction and short stories. So I've experimented a lot with length. But what I really love to experiment with is form. So you can write a flash fiction story as a grocery list. You can write it as a diary entry. Um, in my recent novella in Flash, which was published in the UK last year. Sorry, I should I should tell you what a novella in Flash is. I'm getting carried away, but it's basically a longer book. So I think that one is about 100 pages. So definitely not to the, to the length of a novel, mm-hmm. but it's a longer story that is written in individual Flash fictions. So it's made up of tiny stories that could each individually be read as, as stories in and of themselves, but together when, as they appear linked in the novella, they're part of a larger narrative. And so in that novella in Flash, I mean, there's like a Wikipedia entry, there's kind of stories made up of bullet points, there's a, there's a miniature biography, there's an interview format. Really, I love kind of the, the variety of form. I could go on about that for a while. I, so I, was, I, have to imagine, <laughs> I have to imagine for you as a writer that like that's where a lot of the fun comes in is getting to dive into these different types of formats, right? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think especially when you're writing a novel, you know, novels are wonderful and you you really lose yourself in them. You know, the, the world becomes real, the characters become real, but it's often just drudgery. You know, it's it's looking at the same piece of work over and over again and the endless scrolling. I mean, you're going through thousands of words, all these chapters, you spend hours upon hours. Whereas flash fiction, it's really like you don't have very much space to work with. You have so few, you know, in a way it's constricting, but then it also feels like freedom because you could do anything. There's no there's no sense of, you know, you have to adhere to the rest of this 80,000 word tome. There's, there's nothing limiting you, but the actual space on the page. And that's exhilarating. I mean, that's like, I always say that it kind of feels it's like flying, whereas like novel writing is like pushing a boulder uphill, you know, and you're kind of, you're getting there. (laughs) And 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 there's a huge payoff at the end for sure. But it's, it's a very different feeling as you're writing it. It's like the difference between her being uh, like Hermes versus Sisyphus. Is that what you're kind of like? You're flying through the air. Oh, I love that. The, yeah. I, <laughs> but I know what you mean. Like, as so I am, I'm querying a novel right now and I'm like slowly wrapping my head around what I want my second one to be. And like, you're right. When you think about a novel, it is like this idea of being like, okay, today I'm going to try and write 800, 1200, 2400 words, whatever it's going to be. And you're like, and that's going to be the next chunk. And then I'm going to get to the next part of the story. Whereas like, if you said there is something exciting, I feel like this is kind of like, like even like journaling too, like with flash fiction, it's like, there has to be something exciting with that thought of like, I don't know what I'm going to write right now, but in 90 minutes, I'm going to have a completed thing, whether you put it out in the world or it's just for you, like it has to be really exciting to sort of do anything. Yeah, it's it's scary in a way because you're always kind of on the edge of your abilities as a writer, right? You're always kind of pushing yourself and thinking, well, it's not about what I need to do, you know, as, as it often is in a novel. It's about what I could do and I, I could do anything. I think a big difference is that in a novel, the reader has certain expectations, you know, mm-hmm. of where the story is going to go. And that, especially in, you know, more commercial fiction, I think in true literary fiction that there might be a difference there, but definitely in, in most mainstream fiction, the reader is thinking, okay, this story is going to come full circle. Certain Mm -hmm. questions are going to be answered. Certain things are going to be resolved and you're going to get that feeling of closure at the end of, at the end of the book. Mm -hmm. And whereas in, in writing flash fiction in writing short fiction, there's often none of those expectations from, from the reader's end. And so from the writer's end, it becomes, becomes less about, you know, writing for the reader and writing uh, and more about writing for yourself. You know, you're not, you're not burdened by any reader expectations. There isn't a specific place that you need to get to and you could go anywhere. And I think that's, that's been one of the things that's been most exhilarating for me. Yeah. It's almost like when you, like when it comes to a novel, it's like you enter into an agreement, which is a weird way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. The the reader is, you know, if they're buying it, they're, you know, the reader's going to pay twenty eight ninety five, whatever the price is for a, you know, hardback new release. And they're going to give you, you know, 12, 14, 20 hours of their time, depending on how quick they read. And you're going to give them, like you said, like a, a fully realized world and story with closure. Um, but yeah, like when it comes to Flash, like, it's almost like reading a tweet if it were actually well written. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to spend a few minutes with this. And like, if someone, if there's not a payoff at the end, it's like, okay, well, this wasn't for, this wasn't, you know, for you to have your world changed and like, hold on to this. But yeah, absolutely. 
But I would say that the best flash fiction can really kind of grab you by the jugular and Mm -hmm. really in a super short amount of words and space, it can say so much. So it doesn't necessarily end, obviously, like a novel does in the sense that, you know, Mm -hmm. this character went through this specific arc or whatever it is. But definitely it ends in a place where you feel that kind of gut punch and you're like wow, like what, 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 what is it that I just read? And often the words have multiple meanings. The sentences have all sorts of layers to them. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting thing to do. Yeah. And so for you, and you you mentioned having like a piece of work published that is a series of, of flash story, you know, flash fiction stories that that kind of became something a little bit more expansive, but they can also be read individually. Like when you started approaching flash fiction, was it something we were all just trying to pass the time during the pandemic, but like, was it something you were just like, I just need something to pass the time or were you submitting these to things? I guess like, what was your, I don't want to say end game. Cause I, you know, writing doesn't have to have like a, an, an end game for anything, but like, what was your why for why you were doing these flash fiction, you know, experiments? Yeah. So it started out just as kind of a way to flex like the creative muscle because I wasn't, I wasn't working on my book and I didn't want to, look at my manuscript while it was with my agent, because that's just, you know, a rabbit hole you don't want to go down. So I needed to find a distraction that still kind of felt like I was still writing because I love writing. I love writing just for the sake of it, even writing that will never be read. So and when I discovered flash fiction, I was like, oh, and I can do this in bites and pieces. Mm-hmm. I have three kids. So especially during the pandemic, they were all at home with me all the time. Mm -hmm. So I really only got really short snippets of time in which to to write and to do things for myself, you know, 15 minutes here, half an hour there. Mm -hmm. And flash fiction is something that you actually can write in those tiny moments of time that actually that actually fit. And that's, that's how I really got into it. Yeah. You also mentioned the very beginning experimental fiction. Yes. Can you kind of explain what you meant by that a little bit? And how that's connected with your flash fiction experiences? Right. So I will say that I do a lot in short fiction that I would simply not do in a novel. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's probably the, the easiest way to explain it is that you can get away with much more in flash fiction. You can really push boundaries in a way that you that you can't so much in a mm-hmm. novel. And that's partly because of, you know, genre expectations, as we talked about reader expectations. Um, and I think one way in which I really like to be experimental in flash, flash, flash fiction is kind of from a lexical kind of language, word playing with words, um, playing with how things look on the page and kind of, the the way that you actually see the design of the words and moving mm. them around. There's flash fiction that has been written as as crossword puzzles. I mean, really, you can kind of aesthetically, in a way, do do anything. And I, I really love that aspect of it. It's, um, so for people to kind of understand, I'm trying to think, there's that very famous horror book that is like, it's about a house that's bigger on the inside than yes. on the outside oh i know which one you mean it's something oh, what is it house of something oh dear yeah house of i leaves. know house, house of, of leaves. leaves and yeah that's exactly so i was exactly when you said like experimenting with where the words are on the page and things like that was the first thing that came to my mind like where and the reason I, I bring that up is like that is a book i've read it once i feel like if anyone's ever read it they read it once because it's just like yeah or you're the people who have read it like a hundred times trying to find like the hidden meaning in it <laughs> but like the reason i say that is like i that's like it's sort of like reading War and Peace, something that I've also done mm-hmm. is like, 
it's the thing you want to tell people you've done or are doing. Like, I'm currently reading War and Peace. Yeah, and everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's like, I'm currently reading House of Leaves because people who know that in the book world, like, they know it's like an endeavor. But if it's a piece of flash fiction, it's like, okay, I can approach this. Like, hmm. I feel like it makes it a much more approachable story because if you were to tell me, like, I wrote a really creative thing with, like, like the way that the font is built out and the way, like, where the the words are on the page... Also, it's 1,200 words. I'd be like, okay, all right, that sounds much more, that's like much more approachable. But um, (laughs) how do you, for those examples, like where the words are on the page and things like that, are these ones that you would like hand write out first or do you tend to type stuff out like that? I tend to type stuff out. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, I'm not big on actual pen and paper. Just my hand gets, gets very tired and it's, it's very slow. And as I said, in order to kind of maximize efficiency around the kids and everything, I've, you know, I, I usually type things out. So it has to work for me on a typed page, but Um, there's, you know, there's stories that I've kind of written vertically, almost like poetry. There's stories where I've written half of it is crossed out and the, the words that are not crossed out make a separate story in and of themselves. If you just read those words versus if you read every single word from start to finish. So there's just lots of little things you can do. And I mean, it's only the tip of the iceberg, but Mm -hmm but it's, it's really interesting. I think. (laughs) Oh yeah. Have you, have you thought about building out like a, a full length novel like this. And the reason I asked, there's a, a past guest on the, the show, a friend of mine, Dawn Kurtaget. She writes young adult horror. I feel like every book I'm thinking of it as like unique type of <laughs> stuff is all horror. Um, I'm a big, I love I'm, horror. So yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm a big horror reader, but so she has a couple books and one of them is called The Dead House. And it's like these, um, it's very epistolary and it goes back and forth, but there's a lot of stuff that is like blacked out that, specifically you don't ever see what those words are and I asked her once I was oh, like that's awesome and I, I literally asked her I was like did you type the words and then black them out she's like yeah absolutely she's like there's a story under there you're just never gonna see it and I was like a that drove me crazy but b it was such a creative way to approach oh my goodness what's her name uh Dawn Kurtagich so her books are very psychological there's um the dead house there is and the trees crept in and then there is uh, her third one it, oh man, I'm drawing a complete blank. Sorry, but I'm going to literally Google while we're talking. That's okay. I am 100% going to look her up because yeah. that sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, her third book is Teeth in the Mist, which is also, it's very Ooh, like Faust. Great title. Creepy. Yeah, she's really good. But like, yeah. so this is also, yeah. like, have, have you thought about building out a full length novel? like this or is it something you're still just kind of I have about? not yet I admit that I'm intimidated by that by that idea I think I really like to take risks as a writer so I like to think that that I will do something like that one day mm-hmm. and that I'm just not ready yet like I I maybe I need more experience in flash maybe I need to read that those books like yeah. the ones that you just mentioned because that yeah. would give me a lot of courage I think to see what other writers have done with it mm-hmm. but I mean I love the idea yeah one well, I and so this look this and kind of like get into your novel, the last the last Russian doll, like the way I I told you before we started recording, like I love it so much. It's this mix of Russian history and Russian like literature and Russian fantasy, like fairy tales, which is like all right up my alley. But the way that I kept thinking about it while I was reading it is one of my favorite books ever is The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern, and her book is like these stories within stories within stories, and she trusts the reader. Like we we're talking about kind of like having this partnership between reader and writer and I feel like you did such a wonderful job with that with the, like the last Russian doll where you're basically you like just keep going trust me this is all going to pay off and it's all gonna 
come together. And so for you, I like, what was your initial kernel of an idea for, for writing this novel? Like, did you know you always wanted to do multiple timelines or was it like, what was the initial thing that fascinated you? Whether it was your experience with Russian fairy tales or just that the history of, of the space, like what was that initial nugget for you to be like, okay, this is what I want to wrap my brain around for eight months, 18 months, however long. Yeah. Oh, it was long. Trust me. Yeah. (laughs) But I think, you know, for me, it was, it was multiple things. It was kind of an academic, you know, I have a background in, in Slavonic studies and studying Russian history. So I wanted to draw from that for sure. I knew I wanted to read Mm -hmm. or sorry, do more reading and write about Russia. And that was definitely part of it. And I was inspired by a Russian fairy tale, which involves a kind of Cinderella-esque figure who's advised by a little talking wooden doll. And I really liked the idea that this, this doll that was kind of nondescript was actually so clever and kind of helping around. It was just much more than it seemed. And that was probably part of the inspiration as well. I, I love Russian fairy tales. Um, but, you know, it really, it started out kind of, I knew that the love story was was going to be the thing that that threaded it, you know, kind of the strand mm-hmm. through the whole book that it all kind of comes together through that. And that's, that's where it started. And then, um, did you, I'm going to have you describe the book in just a second, but I'm curious. I am always curious about books that have multiple timelines. Like, did you write yeah. this? Like, did, did you write this sort of from start to finish or were, were you kind of like grabbing different things? You're like, okay, I know I want to put something about this here. Or like this timeline's going to go here. Like, did you sort of write it in that timeline or was it kind of like scatter plot? It was on the first writing, I did write it from start to finish, but it became a very different thing by the end than it was at the beginning. So I think probably around the halfway point, things just really started to to change, especially around Rosie's storyline in particular and the way that the two narratives of the two female main characters intersect. And then I had to go back and then I had to kind of make the whole, you know, beginning of the novel, first half of the novel adhere, you know, cohere with the second half. Mm-hmm. And that was that was quite a monumental task for sure, especially yeah. with the, you know, multiple subplots and different strands of the book. Yeah. And so uh, when we're recording this is the day after the release of the books, people may yeah. not have gotten their hands on it yet. So can you sort of introduce my listeners to like the sort of the, the plot of, of the book and, uh, you know, like the the sort of structure of it? Sure. So it is a dual timeline, a historical novel set in Soviet Russia that unfolds over the lifespan of the whole Soviet Union. And it opens with a young woman in England who decides to travel back to to Moscow, to her homeland, to solve the mystery of her family's murders from many years before, which she is still very much haunted by. And in the beginning of the story, she's she doesn't have a lot to go on besides a key left to her by her mother and some creepy porcelain dolls. And so that's that's her storyline. And that takes place in 1991, shortly before the collapse of the Soviet Union, obviously. And the other storyline, the other main narrative is another female character called Tanya. And she is living in pre-revolutionary Russia shortly before the end of the imperial regime. And she's the kind of wealthy young wife of a noble, um, of an aristocrat. And she's you know, big things are about to happen in her Mm storyline as well. And over the course of the novel, we see how these two narratives interact. Yeah. And I have to say, like I said, I, I love, I love a novel that has multiple timelines. I feel like it also builds up like as a perfect, like from a a structure standpoint, as a reader, you always get to the like end of a chapter, you know, it's like, Mm. oh, it's about to happen. And then it's like, 
hold that thought. Let's, right. Let's like, and honestly, I know a lot of people get mad about that stuff. Like, but for me, it makes it like, so I'm like, I love that, that structure. And so let's say for you as when you're, when you're reading books are, do you like things that are kind of like twisting and, and oh, sort, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. 100% like twisty, unexpected. I like to be surprised. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if I'm going through a book and things are happening, but all those things are things that I foretold or somehow saw coming, but I don't want to, I don't need a twist that kind of like totally rips the rug up out from under me. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like the whole thing is upended, but just something that I really didn't see coming, something that really sheds the whole book in a new light. Um, that's, that's, that's what I'm after. Yeah. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. I was actually, I, I had a conversation with a, an author recently about this where I was like a, like a, a book that's mysterious doesn't have to have like a massive twist at the end, but it has to have something that kind of ties it all together. And, and like you said, like I know people always are like, well, I guessed all the different things that were going to happen. And my response to that is always like, but did you enjoy the, like reading it? Like if you enjoyed mm. the story still, yeah, yeah, that's I, I think it's question. okay, but you're right. It does have to like, it gets back to my, like my point about like, like that agreement of like, just trust me as a writer. Like you do have to yeah. pay it off by having everything. Yeah, absolutely. Tied yeah. together. Um, so now that, you know, for people who may not be aware of like the, the literary world, like you talked about how like during the pandemic, this book was with your, you know, your literary agent, like how long it takes to do these different processes. So are you working on another novel now, or are you still in like the flash fiction area? Like, have you been able to wrap your head around like that another 80,000, 100,000, 120,000 word book. Um, I am totally writing a second novel right now. So I'm in the middle of revisions and, you know, it can be a slog, but I'm really enjoying it. This is another historical dual timeline and it's set in 1930s Shanghai and 1950s Hong Kong. And it's partly inspired by my own family history, my grandfather's early life in Northern China. So it's, it's really exciting and really, really interesting to, to research. Yeah. And are you still um, adhering to, are you still doing like flash fiction and experimental fiction stuff sort of in between as like a a mental break or are those things that you're still? Yes. Yes. In fact, whenever I need a break, whenever I feel like this is becoming a bit too much, my brain needs space to breathe, then I turn to flash fiction. Mm -hmm. So for people who are are interested in this space, but maybe discovering it for the first time, where do you find... Cause I know like a lot of times people are like, oh, I would love to do something like this, but I never know like where to find prompts or things like, so for you, where do you like seek out prompts or ideas? Or even if it is like, you know, I know a lot of these are like contests, but just like, where do you seek out the ideas that you want to write about? Usually they come to me spontaneously, typically Mm -hmm. as I'm kind of walking or driving, doing something that doesn't require, you know, too much intense thought on the task and kind of, I don't want to say that my mind drifts while driving, that would be terrible. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, you know, inspiration can come from all places, often the very, very mundane. But for anyone who's interested in flash fiction, I would look up the literary magazine Smoke Long Quarterly, because that is some of the best flash fiction out there. I mean, that is just absolutely amazing. So a shout out to, to that magazine. I love that. That's fantastic. Um, and then are, like you mentioned loving, like reading these types of stories, like what are the types of books that you're drawn to as a reader personally? Like, is it the the twisty, mysterious things? Or like, are, are there specific types of books that you find yourself being like, oh, I want more of this specific thing? 
That's a great question. I read widely across genres. I would say historical fiction, obviously, is is up there. I, I love historical. Um, I also love thrillers. I think, especially if I if it's a, an, an idea that I haven't seen before, you know, because mm. there there's there's a lot of recycled ideas out there. But when you come across something new, then you're like, ooh, okay, I, I have to check that out. Um, and I do also enjoy rom com, especially mm-hmm. if I feel stressed, too busy. I'm like, a great romance is is a lot of fun. So you know, I, I read a lot of things, but definitely if something is twisty, I love horror. Yeah. Horror is probably up there with historicals and historical horror. That's the best. Yeah. I, <laughs> So interestingly, you're talking about both um, like thrillers and historical horror. Uh, I, I just earlier this week interviewed um, Alma Katsu, who writes both of those things. <gasps> oh, I'm such a big fan of hers. She A, she's wonderful, just an incredible human being. And something I found out about her because two of her most recent novels are like spy thrillers. I found out that she is yeah. like she is quite literally she had a 30 year like career as like in the intelligence world and like I had no idea yeah and so I know exactly what you mean like she's she basically said she told me after the fact she's like yeah sometimes I want to write these like thrillers like my historical horror novels she's like but I can't she's like but that doesn't they don't really go together yeah like like, they keep you on the edge of your seat oh that's interesting oh I gotta listen to that episode I love her I love her most recent horror book I think it was the fervor yeah oh man good one such a good one absolutely um okay so I always ask one last question before I let the the author go. Is like, just what is something you would recommend people check out? It could be a book. It can be a TV show. Um, I've had people recommend just go for a walk, or I had somebody recommend a protein powder. Like, what's something that you want to recommend that you really enjoy that you think more people should know about? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'm really enjoying The Last of Us on HBO. Mm-hmm. I am really, really enjoying that show. I have to say, I don't really usually like zombie shows, Mm -hmm. uh, but that that is a great one. So that's that's what I'll go with. I think that's perfect. And honestly, it's so interesting the way that different like forms of zombie content have sort of like cycled through. And yeah, it was like a there's like a brief respite during the pandemic because everyone was like, um, I I don't want to. And like now it seems to be kind of like back in a more creative way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really interesting. Well, Kristen, I, like I said, I, we started recording. I absolutely loved your book. I was like, there's rarely been a time when a publicist has sent me a pitch that I like responded to faster. It is so Oh, good. thank you. Absolutely. That's thank so nice you. to hear. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's really been a pleasure. Passions and Prologues is proud to be an evergreen podcast and was created by Adam Sokol. It was produced by Adam Sokol and Sean Rule Hoffman. And if you are interested in this podcast and any other evergreen podcast, you can go to evergreenpodcast.com to discover all the different stories we have to tell. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. 
Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.